everyone. Um, I'm so excited to talk to you this morning. Gadimachi, Sinwama, good morning, and welcome to Good Ancestors and Local Treasures with Corrine Pierce. The song that you just heard was sung by the late Dave Smith of Pointerina, a respected local elder and well-loved cultural expert and teacher. I would like to thank his daughter, Bernadette, for giving me permission to share his singing this morning. And I would also like to send my deepest condolences to his family and the entire community who are feeling the loss of such an important culture bearer. He truly was a good ancestor and local treasure in every sense of the word, and he will be greatly missed. Sintamana, Ana Pikabitamde. I'm your host, Keishi Corrine Pierce. I'm a local pomo basket weaver, traditional artist, herbalist, dancer, storyteller, storyteller, and cultural educator with ancestry from Lake and Mendocino County tribes. Yawi, thank you for joining me this morning to take a closer look at some of the amazing people, places, and events that make our home in Mendocino, Lake, and Sonoma counties unique and rich. I'm grateful to be able to share some of my personal heroes and friends who happen to be some of the most influential movers and shakers in our local indigenous community and beyond. I'm grateful for the opportunity to introduce today's guests. Our first guest this morning will be Mike, Dun Mike Duncan of the Round Valley Tribe, and he is the founder of the Native Dads Network and a personal hero of mine. Um, our second guest this morning will be Leticia Aguilar from the Pinoleville Pomo Nation. She is a cultural wellness advocate as well as the founder of Native Sisters Circle. Leticia also serves as the director of the Native Dads Network, and I'm honored to bo for both of you to be here. Welcome. Um, I'm so glad that you will be um, talking about the amazing things that you are accomplishing. I'm excited for everybody listening to have a chance to hear um, about you personally and about the Native Dads Network and the amazing things that you guys have accomplished. It's just amazing. Um, but before we get to our guests today, I want to take a few minutes to acknowledge a loss of a legend and an advocate in our Indigenous community. And I hope that I don't cry. And if I do cry, just pretend I'm not crying. So I'm sad to say that yesterday, October 2nd, 2022, Miss Sashin Cruz Littlefeather died at her home in Novato, California at the age of 75. She was born and raised in California of Apache and Yaqui heritage. She was an actress, model, healthcare advocate, and Native American civil rights activist. Sashin Littlefeather was most well known for representing Marlon Brando at the 45th Academy Awards in 1973, where she, on Brando's behalf, declined the Best Actor Award that he won for his performance in The Godfather. I am going to play that speech for you now, um, starting from when they announce uh, Brando as the winner, and I'm, I'm going to play that for you. The winner is... Marlon Brando in The Godfather. Accepting the award for Marlon Brando and The Godfather, Miss Chasheen Littlefeather. Hello, my name is Sasheen Littlefeather. I'm Apache and I'm president of the National Native American Affirmative Image Committee. I'm representing Marlon Brando this evening, and he has asked me to tell you in a very long speech, which I cannot share with you presently because of time, but I will be glad to share with the press afterwards that he very regretfully cannot accept this very generous award. And the reasons for this being are the treatment of American Indians today by the film industry, excuse me, and on television in movie reruns, and also with recent happenings at Wounded Knee. I beg at this time that I have not intruded upon this evening, and that we will, in the future, our hearts and our understandings will meet with love and generosity. 
Thank you on behalf of Marlon Brando. Miss Littlefeather was booed on stage and um, as she walked off. And it was rumored that John Wayne tried to physically attack her and had to be restrained by security as she left the stage. Clint Eastwood mocked her later on as he was presenting an award. Raquel Welch and Michael Caine, who was a co-host of the year, or a co-host for that year, criticized her on camera for disrupting, and I'm going to use air quotes, the ceremony that they were having. Um, it just blows my mind. They changed a lot of rules after that. They, after that, they actually uh, made it so that no one could send a proxy to, re to receive their award anymore. If you couldn't receive it, just couldn't come. Um, Sashin was a member of the Screen Actors Guild at the time of her appearance on behalf of Brando at the 1973 Academy Award ceremony. But after her appearance, she was shut out of the film industry. With no roles being offered to her because of the industry's backlash, Sashin eventually gave up on acting in films at the end of the 70s. She continued to be a native rights activist well into her elder years. Flash forward almost 50 years to June of this year. 2022. The Academy of Motion Pictures, Arts, and Science sent Sashin Littlefeather a statement of apology in which the organization's then-president, David Rubin, wrote, quote, The abuse you endured because of this statement was unwarranted and unjustified. The emotional burden you have lived through and the cost to your own career in our industry are irreparable. For too long, the courage you showed has been unacknowledged. For this, we offer both our deepest apologies and our sincere admiration. The statement was read in full at an evening with Sashin Littlefeather, held on September 17, 2022, which was an event honoring Littlefeather and featuring a conversation between her and producer Bird Running Water, the co-chair of the Academy's Indigenous Alliance. That event happened less than one month ago. Miss Littlefeather described the Academy's apology to, um, uh, I'm sorry, a apology as a dream come true and said, quote, we Indians are very patient people. It's only been 50 years. She added, we need to keep our sense of humor about this at all times. It's our method of survival. According to a Hollywood reporter, after hearing the apology, Sashin Littlefeather said, I never stood on stage in 1973 for any kind of accolades. I only stood there because my ancestors were with me, and I spoke the truth. I never thought I'd live to see the day I would be hearing this. Whew! I am so glad that she got her apology and the recognition that she deserved. I want to share something with you all that I found kind of shocking and a little disturbing. In the year 1973, when this happened, at the 45th annual Academy show, when Sashin walked onto the stage, it was the very first time a Native American woman had ever set foot on that stage. That blows my mind. She also broke the media blackout regarding Wounded Knee, which uh, no news was covering. She gave hope to indigenous people all over Turtle Island during a very difficult time. Sorry, getting emotional. She was and is a true warrior, leader, and groundbreaker in so many ways. When she spoke her truth in such a dignified and fearless way, she helped give all of us permission to take up space and be our true selves. We can never thank her enough for what her 60-second speech did for all of us. Last year, in 2021, a documentary was made about her life and activism called Sashin Breaking the Silence. I recommend this documentary to everybody. Um, and while you're at it, <laughs> I also suggest the documentary Real Engine. R-E-E-L-I-N-J-U-N. She is also in that. And it talks about the disparities uh, in media uh, around Native Americans. So that's a really good one to watch. I'm so grateful for all the things she did to raise us all up. 
and for her continued influence on every life she touched. Yawi Sashin, Kidiwadim, Safe Journeys. I'm surprised I didn't cry more than that. I'm glad that I didn't. Um, and I'm also excited to introduce our next guest, which is Mike Duncan. And I know that um, he met Sashin before. So maybe he can, um, while he's talking about himself, maybe he can talk a little bit about her. Welcome, Mike Sintamana. Good morning. How are you doing this, this morning? I'm good. How are you? Good. So, um, in Chong Shiruo, Tata, Tibet, Mike Duncan, Shoshet. So, I already said basically good morning in my Wailaki um, language. I'm an enrolled member of the Brown Valley Indian Tribes in Mendocino County. I am Maidu, um, Wintun, Wailaki, and then on my, that's on my father's side. Um, on my mother's side, I'm Western Band Shoshone, Tomok, out of Western Nevada. And I'm also the executive director of Native Dads Network here in Sacramento, based out of Sacramento, and uh, doing a lot of good work in the, in the community here. Um, I'm also a father of five, um, five children, three boys, two girls. Um, and so I'm really, that's how I was, all this little, this work that I've been doing through the years, it really stems from my family, from me trying to be a better dad, a better father. And so I'm happy to be here this morning and to share a little bit about what's going on with the Native Dads Network. I'm so grateful that you're here. Um, I I always pretend that um, people are listening that know a lot about what we do. But for people that are listening that don't know what the Native Dads Network is, could you tell us about that? Uh, yes, Native Dads Network is a 501c, 501c3 nonprofit um, that was um, really started out back in 2000, 2012 was when the vision came. Um, I And I was going through a... a, a a job. I was in a, actually working for a TANF and got released uh, from that from that position. But when I was there, um, I was asked to start a fatherhood program. And so working with the men, um, I felt a lot of, um, man, I just found a lot of uh, passion. I guess that's the best word to use is really, you know, and, and watching the light bulb come on uh, for all of us, you know, in this group that I was actually learning how to be a better father, too, as I was teaching this class. Um, we use a curriculum called Fatherhood is Sacred, and, um, and it's based out of Arizona. And when we use that curriculum and just that term, Fatherhood is Sacred, really became I really became passionate about that, that what that what that really truly means as being a father, as what my role as a man, and um, and so I took that um, from that, and I've it evolved in something else, and um, became the program called Native Dads Network, uh, which was just basically was. Um, just some of us uh, community members that, you know, I created a board and what we did was we just, we started doing like workshops. We started doing um, about fatherhood, um, about healthy relationships, um, being clean and sober um, and using culture as a, like a foundation to all the, all the work that we do. And so, um, and so through the years um, and fast forward to 2010, we have multiple programs that we ran out of Native Dads Network. Um, one one that I'm really proud of that we we've been working on is um, for the last seven years is Boys with Braids, and that is again to to help our young men um, that ha want to grow their hair out or they um, you know maybe their family forces them to grow out their hair, but make sure they're safe and to make sure they're safe in school. You know, um, a lot of our boys, including myself, and this is you're talking about in the time of seventies when I was getting when I was in school, I would remember being teased. Um, because of my long hair, bullied, called names and different things. And it's 2022 and, and our boys are still going through that. You know what I mean? And um, and we're, we're, you know, kind of stuck in a, in a place like, what do we do, right? And so um, we started a program um, with, with, it's actually not ours specifically. We didn't invent it. It was, it came out of Canada, um, but we were the second state um, that um, Minnesota was the first, and then California was the second state that um, implemented this program from a gentleman named Michael Linklater. And so that program is going really well. Um, we have an event coming up November 12th, um, and that is in Sacramento, California, and the flyer can be found on our Facebook page or our website. That one's going to be pretty a pretty exciting one. Um, the one that we've been doing as well, we've been doing as we've been doing as 
uh, like our fatherhood, just our fatherhood group, and it's evolved into a fatherhood motherhood. It's a parenting class. Um, since the pandemic, it's kind of been down and out a little bit. So I've been doing a lot of virtual stuff here and there as far as classes. Um, but prior to that, and which we're going to start back up here probably in November or December of this year, is doing some in-person fatherhood motherhood classes. Um, it's a parenting class. It's a twelve a twelve week um, curriculum based um, teaching, and and then um, people get a certificate of graduation. The good thing about our our program, um, this one is continuous, so it just doesn't end. Um, like when you do it to twelve weeks, like and all of a sudden you're this great parent. We encourage our parents to come over and over and attend like as many times as they can um, to kind of learn the curriculum and learn the teachings itself. Um, I have people that have been in our program six, seven years, and they just continue to come back because they get the they get what they need, the, the, I guess, the encouragement or the re, re, be reminded of some of the teachings. And so that's that's always a, a good program. Um, and I know that um, I train with NAFA, too. So I know that I've trained a lot of people in Mendo and Lake County and people that are doing start, starting their own classes. And it's, that's pretty cool to watch, too, as well. You know, I mean, um, people doing that and um, and uh, spreading the message of how important fatherhood and motherhood is sacred. And one of the things I'd like to share about that, because, you know, um, the sacred part <clears throat> to me, when we look at sacred, the sacredness, you know, I mean, is like, you know, we um, we always look at like ceremony or certain ceremonial items or songs, feathers and things as sacred things. And they are um, the most sacred thing that to a child is their parent. And so, you know, when I when I first heard that years back, I started recognizing that I, I have a responsibility to be well, you know, and so I've really worked on through the years in trying to be an example of that and um, trying to be just be well, <laughs> the best I can be, the best I can do every single day. And that is um, that's that again, that is something that has been really um, something that I've, I hang my hat on. And I really, you know, I, I really try to promote when I do this work. Now, through the years, you know, um, like I said, with another program we do is uh, we've been doing like wellness conferences. Uh, we did, we did a, first we had an all men's wellness conference and that was exciting. That started back in 2013 and we did it at Buena Vista Rancheria. Again, the pandemic kind of stopped that, put that in pause. Um, but we were holding these uh, uh, yearly gatherings and just bringing a men's gathering. And I'll be honest, I mean, to that point in my life, and this is one of the things I'd never heard of a men's wellness gathering before. And not to say that we started or created or anything, I just never heard of it. Um, but it got really popular. We, you know, our, our groups are, um, are what, like one year, I think we had like 120 men show up. Um, and you would imagine like how many, that's 120 men, fathers, sons, nephews, grandsons that are trying to come to a place to talk about being well. I thought those, that stuff was so powerful it, and um, those conferences are so powerful. Um, and I remember, but I'll tell you the most powerful um, conference that we had with the men's gathering was our first one. I think we had, um, our budget was like, I think $4,000 for the weekend. And uh, it was simple. Like we had, um, we had maybe, I think 17 men show up and half of them was like our little circle. <laughs> uh, but it was like one of those things that I felt like it was a connection and and I understood the power of it, um, of having that many people there and, and, and getting something from it. And that's going to continue on. Probably we're going to start that again next year. We're, we're just kind of waiting for kind of to see how the pandemic went. But to 2023, we'll probably look at and doing that again, um, looking for a location to have host that Um host that gathering next next year um and then the last one is uh we're and this is what the work we're kind of doing now we're doing the elevate youth grant um and so it's leticia's position she's um she's working with the with the youth and we're doing a lot of good cultural programming and we're doing impact which is um indigenous mentors protecting ancestral cultural teachings team and that program is to again to the substance abuse uh, prevention program we're talking about uh just really just trying to prevent the use of any substances uh, but it's really aimed what our project is aimed at right now is the tribal designs being targeted or being used as marketing for the for dispensaries and cannabis growth and so um and targeting our youth you know and so we're just trying to create guidelines and safeguards for that and to yeah, really promote a healthy lifestyle for our youth, right? And, and I'll share this. <clears throat> um, 
shot like Shashin Little Feather, um, Dave Smith, you know, um, and all these other man people that came before us. Like they taught us so many different things. And it's powerful because you know, they were that link. They were the link that was holding things together, doing things like you mentioned, you know, the first that ever did this, the first that ever did that, you know. Um, and when we start to look at our role as, as adults today, you know, that's that's what gives me the passion, like, you know, um, believing in something that's good, that's powerful, that's medicine that for our people. It's something that when I start to talk about people like that, I understand that that's our responsibility. You know that I'm now that I'm eventually that I'm getting older. I'm I'm, about, I'm 51 years old. I have a responsibility. What goes forward in the future, right? What am I laying down for my for the next not next generation, the generation after, the generation after? Because their words, am I speaking of like Dave Smith and others? Then their words will carry forward for generations to come, and ours will too. You know, and so I talk about goodness. I talk about love, forgiveness, the power of healing, part the the importance of being healthy, not only physically but mentally, emotionally, spiritually. How important that is to our people as we're healing going forward, right? Because if we're not if we're not really truly working on that, we're always going to find ourselves in this, in these problems, right? And so sometimes when in in just having those discussions, you have they're going to have they're going to some tough tough conversations you're gonna have to bring up stuff that let you know in the past maybe they told you not to talk about that stuff you know what i mean and i'm like well listen i'll be the you can shoot arrows at me i'm fine with that you know what i mean someone has to talk about these things these typical conversations i remember when we first started talking about fatherhood and i'll share this like i mean and, and that was never like i there's multiple men that came up to me and goes you know what I've never in my entire life have been told that fatherhood is sacred. No man ever told me that a fatherhood was sacred. And so, but then, and I got pushback and from, you know, community members that saying, oh, well, that, do you know what this man did? Do you know who he is and how, you know, he's not like, and I'm like, well, we have to work with him or what? I must push him away and let him still be toxic in the, in the world. And I'm like, I have to work with this gentleman because he has he he's come here for help. And I got a lot of pushback for that. Working with men that were struggling. And so and um, now today, you know, it's it's almost like to have a fatherhood group is important. Having a men's wellness group is important. It's it's almost normalized now. You know what I mean? And I'm like, and that, that, did I say I did that? I'm not saying I did that. But I'm not saying it. I'm just like I was part of that movement of saying, OK, this is something that was important that I seen the importance of a father trying to be reconnect with their children. Right. Because we know that as um, men, you know what I mean? That households without a father have a higher risk of getting in trouble or using alcohol, using drugs, a healthy father. Right. So a father has a role in all this, not just to make the baby. <laughs> right. Oh, they also have, they have, they have a right to also, you know, um, you know, do, be part of that healing process with their children and family. And so I'll spend the work. That's amazing, Mike. I, I love the work that you do. And I, um, when I was younger, I used to teach uh, for the University of Oklahoma and I'd go to a lot of their wellness events. I'd teach basketry there. And um, it, the majority of it was women's wellness. And then I remember like it was a big deal when they did a men and women's wellness. But I had really I had never heard of just a men's wellness. And that that's so important. Like, you know, every generation, it's the parents that influence what's going on. And what I see you doing is really a decolonization of our culture and bringing back what was taken from us. Um, and that is the importance of men in our culture. Um, I talk about a lot about the missing and murdered indigenous relations. And uh, our men were just straight out stolen, you know, just taken. So we didn't we didn't have even a lot of role models. And I'm so glad when I go to your events and I see you and I see all these amazing men standing up and being so strong. It just it just really, really um, makes my heart happy. Um, and one other thing that I want to 
talk about because I think this is a good place to elevate the conversation is the impact that you mentioned. And I was um, absolutely honored to be a part of that in Sacramento. And um, I we are in a community that grows marijuana. <laughs> we have been for a long, long time. Um, but I, I want to bring up the point of something that you said there, that it is not traditional for our people in any way. So definitely keep it separate from our sacred and cultural things. And if anybody tells you that it is traditional, they are not informed of their culture. I'm, mm. I'm just want to say that now. And I want to let everybody know that you are around. And I also want you to plug yourself because I work with the school district here and we actually had a few principals want to have the boys with braids um, and they want to make that happen. So I'm really excited if you can um, give some information about how they can get that to happen for the schools. Yes. Um, well, obviously you can reach us through our website, uh, uh, www.nativedaznetwork.org. Daz is with the S. And then also there's an email there, info at nativedaznetwork.org. You can reach uh, us that way um, for information. And one of the things like, you know, we are, and this is what we're working on. We're trying to make this really friendly for people because obviously with our our boys with braids presentation the way that it's been developed like, i remember the first year was so bare bones and then um we kind of were just winging it kind of in a sense trying to figure it all out and then today it's so it's just gonna be a beautiful it's a beautiful program it's a full day of uh activities and workshops and, and different things um and so there's um and so all that stuff costs money you know and, and so small communities and schools they, they reach out and they say well how can we do the boys braids and all these things and i go do you want the boils and whistles or you want the bare minimum but the point is i think one of the things is that he's reaching out and we're trying to create material and we're also trying to we're creating a a, a, a like a, I don't want to call it a curriculum, but a, a training guide that we could we could train people in and they could utilize in the school. And so that should be coming next year as well. That's something that our, our organization has been working on, or at least in the talking and planning of that. And we'll should we have we should have something out next year for communities to want to uh, become maybe come to our training and then we could train them and then they could take that back and they could go they could help the school because there's so much in every school's been if there's an Indian kid in our in your school they're impacted right so we, we want to make sure that this this message and this information gets out to everybody um because usually we do a, a conference maybe once or twice a year um and it's not enough we need more and because well, i get calls all the time about our boys being bullied and stuff like that so just stay tuned for that that will be coming out next year yeah we mike thank you so much for joining me today thank you for all of that information uh, you're listening to good ancestors and local treasures with corinne pierce on kzyx philo 90.7 fm kzyz willits and ukiah 91.5 fm and fort bragg at 88.1 fm we also stream live at kzyx.org um, i just finished talking with mike duncan who is the founder of the native dads network and i'm is so excited to welcome my next guest, who is Leticia Aguilar from the Pinoleville Pomo Nation. Um, Sintamana, Leticia, how are you? I'm good. Sintamana, Winnawanan Panima, Kashi, Leticia Aguilar, Pinoleville Pomo Nation. I'm so glad to be here this morning uh, on a beautiful Monday. It's a beautiful day outside and um, just a beautiful day to be Indigenous women today. Um, I am um, the, I currently serve as a uh, director of Native Dance Network uh, here based out of Sacramento where I was born and raised and uh, do a lot of work around, uh, you know, creating and uh, safe spaces, connecting community, uh, developing programming, and just, you know, a lot of things that um, really just our, bring our communities together and promote wellness and living healthy lifestyles. Um, you know, one thing that I was taught that there is no wrong way. And so as long as we have good intentions and so, you know, everything that we really do, I would say is on a prayer, you know, being guided by creator and, and really just um, believing that, you know, our people 
um, you know, will have that resiliency and and then continue to thrive, right? Um, is something that, you know, is just so important as, um, you know, a native woman and, um, and then a mother as well. So yeah, um, thank you for having me, first of all, <laughs> uh, it's such an honor. Um, you know, just thinking about what I'm going to talk about today and, um, you know, thinking about, well, I get to talk a little bit about myself, which is um, a little hard. I'm like, what am I going to say? <laughs> you know, I get to talk about me. Um, but yeah, I mean, my journey has been very interesting. And, you know, sometimes we think um, at like we're kind of alone and we're like the only ones that been through uh, the things that we go through in life. And, but throughout, you know, growing and uh, maturing, I really realized that there's a lot of similarities, uh, you know, across the board um, as far as like um, our lifestyles as native people and, and a native woman um, growing up in this city and, uh, you know, just being a little disconnected from, uh, you know, from my people. Um, there's a reason why, um, you know, there is a history behind that. And it wasn't until later that I really learned about um, what that history was. You know, they don't really teach you that in the school system. And so for me, identity is a really big thing. I'm really big on identity and, and really learning about what that looks like. Um, I'm also the founder of Native Sister Circle, a Native American youth group here for girls in Sacramento. And, and again, we are really big on identity. And one of the things that I talk about is that we're many things. Uh, we're, uh, we're daughters, we're sisters, we're uh, friends. And so, you know, for me, we wear many hats. And so learning to embrace that today I think that's one of the main things that um, really helps me get through, you know, through my journey in life. And, um, and I'm okay with that because I'm able to, um, you know, jump out and, and kick it in gear and be in the community one minute. And then I'm able to, you know, be mom at the same time. Sometimes I wear five hats. Eh? <laughs> you know, I'm like, I always joke around. I'm like, sometimes I'm just a chauffeur, you know? <laughs> There's um, no such thing as just the chauffeur. That's the most important <laughs> job, getting people places safe for sure. Yes, you know, and, and these kids, they, they keep me busy, you know, as a mom, they got a lot of, um, a lot of places they need to be to <laughs> these little ones. Um, but, you know, it's definitely rewarding to be a part of Native Dads Network. Uh, a little uh, backstory behind how I became a, a part of Native Dads and, you know, people, they kind of get the idea like, oh, um, it's just for men or, you know, and yes, you know, our men are so important. They're, um, there's a quote that um, Alpoli says, if the men are the problem, then the men must be the solution. And I was just oh. like, right, <laughs> like that just says, that says a lot. Um, and, you know, um, as a mother, um, me and my boyfriend, we've been together for, for quite a while, I would say like 20 plus years. And uh, <clears throat> even so basically, we grew up together seeing his journey, uh, you know, and developing maturing, you know, to the man that he needs to be. Native dads had a lot to do with that. <clears throat> we were a young couple, young parents, and um, just really kind of like I said, growing up together. And, you know, throughout my journey of, um reconnecting and um, and being involved and taking advantage of the resources that we have in our area. Um, shout out to all of, you know, our Native organizations that are giving, um, you know, their time and their, um, their spaces for us to be able to heal. Um, you know, our health centers, our, um, you know, all of our programs that um, we have. Um, that's where I started. That's where my healing journey started. And um, it was the Sacramento Native American Health Center. I was a little broken. Um, you know, I had lost some family members. It was like deep, deep into alcoholism. And uh, I was referred to, uh, to a counselor out there 
one of um, one of our relatives, shout out to Dean Hoagland. Hey. Um, you know, and I would just sit in this office and, and just talk about stuff. And, uh, you know, that was the beginning of my healing journey. And I guess it was really something that was missing from my life was uh, that cultural component. Um, you know, again, growing up in the city and, and, and being taught something different, it was like, I know who I was, but I didn't really have the teachings um, behind that, um, just to a certain extent, I would say, because I knew I was Native, you know, and as Native people, we, we do certain things, you know, our, our households, the way we speak, the way uh, we function as a people, uh, you know, but outside it was, it was just different for me. And, um, you know, in that classroom, it was a little different for me. Um, but, you know, in these safe spaces, uh, I was able to develop, you know, who I was and, and have the tools, uh, you know, to eventually become sober. And um, part of that was having, you know, um, to be involved in um, community groups and everything that I can get my hands in, in which is why I'm a huge believer in resources. I was on the TANIPs, I was, you know, at the health centers, I was in the motherhood, fatherhood of sacred groups with uh, Mike Duncan. And, um, but actually my boyfriend, he started first, it was all men, it was fatherhood of sacred. And um, it really helped him to develop so many beautiful, um, in so many beautiful ways as a man and really understand um, what that meant. But also learning about the sacredness of women, I think that was like one of the main things that uh, was lacking because society teaches different, right? Women are objects, um, women are to be disposed of, you know, and MMIW, you know, and um, all of these things, you know, the objectification and um, sexualization, you know, in the, um, in the commercials and the TVs and the, and the music, and um, <clears throat> some of our men just don't know what they don't know. And I realized that uh, as I was maturing that, you know, he was just doing what he was taught. And so it was through Native Dads Network, um, having Fatherhood is Sacred, Motherhood is Sacred, that we were actually able to get sober through that program just by being a part of, you know, learning about, um, you know, all of these traditional things, right? Um, it's Domestic Violence Awareness Month. I would say domestic violence is not traditional. You know, and, and again, just learning about what are those traditions and women, the sacredness of women is one of those. Um, yeah, so again, a um, lot of years of, of work. Um, it's not easy, but it, it's possible. Um, you know, and you just have to want it. I, I really um, <clears throat> devoted my time to being well and being a good mom, you know, first and foremost, but I had to find out what that was. Um, fast forward, uh, I ended up becoming a board member at Native Dads Network, I think 2016. Native Dads, we kind of just throw our shoes on and just do the work, right? Um, sometimes we don't even have a plan. We know our people are in need and we just, okay, we got to Let's let's just offer you know some some education. How can we support uh, through the pandemic? We did a lot of rapid response stuff, and through that, a lot of programs were also created because we knew that our communities need support. Um, but again, you know, starting off as a board member, um, a lot of it was volunteer. It, it's never about um, anything else but just helping our people. And in which is so rewarding because I'm I know the power of um, creating safe spaces and offering wellness education or even even if it's just lending an ear, um, you know, because I was that person one day I was that person, and so not only am I um, grateful and have lots of gratitude, but I get to give back. 
And so that's why I do this work. And um, really, it's not even work, you know, like this is what we do. Um, and I really believe that, um, you know, I have sons. And so really teaching that importance of, of that male, um, healthy male is important for me, but I also have a daughter, you know, and so on the flip side, you know, teaching, you know, that sacredness of, of womanhood. Um, and so I do my best. I really do. Um, but I just love being around community and, and being able to um, really give back in any way that I could. Um, yeah, so I just wanted to talk about, you know, also the identity component of, um, you know, my journey and why I'm so big on identity is because, um, you know, growing up here in the city, my name, first of all, and we had a little conversation about this earlier, and um, growing up, it was always like I, my name was like, mispronounced like it's like Leticia, Leticia or um, Leti. It's just kind of like whatever you know like people come up with. <laughs> um, but my actual name is um, Drusilla. Not a lot of people know that and that comes from my great-grandmother and um, I actually have an article of her name in when she was born, um, when she actually gave birth to my grandmother in the hospital, you know, and, and that article is a really big piece of history that uh, has been taken away from us. And so, you know, again, just really focusing on like who we are as a people and, um, you know, our names are even colonized. And so, you know, like just, thinking about how that works and, um, you know, in, in these titles, you know, that we have and, and everything, but really it's, it's so much bigger than that. Like everything that we do is so much bigger than, um, I really believe, you know, it's like I, I said, it's not work. It's just kind of like we're guided by creator. And, and I truly believe that because I'm actually a really shy person and I don't like, um, not that I don't like, but I just kind of put my trust in creator nowadays. Um, I would have never thought I'd be on a radio show or um, maybe front and center. I feel really comfortable behind the scenes. A lot of times, like everything that goes on behind the scenes, like um, registration or, um, you know, even if it's just like health cleaning up, I feel really comfortable because I feel like, um, my journey is to be a helper and and I help a lot like that's like part of what makes me happy and um probably comes you know from a lot from my childhood too you know I, I just let's fix this let's how can we help how can we um you know um get our communities um you know the wellness that they need and so I feel really comfortable but creator always has a different plan for me <laughs> You know, so I'm like, okay, creator, what's going to happen today? And, um, you know, so I've been really blessed. I have, you know, and, and for people that are struggling out there, um, sometimes you just got to give it to creator. Um, sometimes we might even want something else really bad and we're like, oh, I really want it. But, you know, if it's not in the cards, it's not in the cards. You know, uh, creator does really have a plan. I have enough experiences that... Um, you know, I can sit here and let everyone know out there that, um, you know, there is a plan for you. And um, sometimes it's not always what we want, um, but it's going to be a blessing, you know, and especially if it comes, you know, in light of, um, of creator and what our path really is. And um, so I'm glad that, you know, I was able to get on this path uh, because I would have never foreseen this, you know, I would have never like, wish this for myself or um but also you know sometimes other people see things in us that we don't see too um you know being around our uh, native guides network our team we got a great team amazing uh, mentors they have like i want to give them props because they have a lot to do with where i'm at today as well um again you know mentorship 
in that uh, modeling healthy lifestyles is so important because they were the ones that seen something in me that I didn't see. And, and, you know, and I'm still like, I'm still trying to convince myself, <laughs> you know, sometimes um, that, you know, like this isn't it, it's, it's just gonna get better and better. And, you know, even though we have our rough times, like that's okay because that's part of what makes us grow as people too, right? And so, yeah, shout out to all our mentors out there and um, all of our teachers that are, uh, you know, keeping our cultures alive. Um, it was through all of you that I, I learned a lot of things, you know, and then again, taking that back to the community and um, and then sharing that, you know, with our, our people that um, need that. So, you know, we're continuing to pass these good things down. Um, yeah, so just so oh, happy to be here. Oh. I'm so grateful for you. You said so many things that I wanted to say more about, like, but first I want to brag about you guys real quick. So I, like I said, I had the honor of attending the um, impact meeting and it was the first one. And you were just talking about how you guys were like, had to fly by the seat of your pants and just put your shoes on and do stuff. And, and what was so amazing is that this impact meeting, um, the plan was to create videos so they had these people all lined up to come and train and they got COVID and Mike was like, we're doing it anyway. And you know, so that's like, Oh, okay. So they just did it and they made stuff happen. And these kids had an amazing experience. They learned so much about their culture and about their history. Um, they got to make baskets. They got to hang out with each other and be in the city, which was really, really great. I'm so impressed by all of the things that you do and the foundation that you are laying for the next seven generations. It just is amazing. Um, another thing I want to talk about real quick is uh, what you said about our names being colonized. We did have this conversation before we were on air because no one pronounces my name right either. Uh, my name is actually French. It's Corinne and not Corinne. And... Um, I have to tell people at school, at, at all ages, teachers, tiny kids, they always ask me, why do Indians have Mexican names? That's the question I get a lot. And I remind people um, that Spanish has been spoken on this continent longer than any other European language. And the Spanish made it to California uh, the Russians made it first. That's why Kashaya actually has some Russian-influenced words. But um, the Spanish got here first, and they forced us to take their names, or they just named us, um, which is why so many of us have Spanish names generations later. And I'm so happy to see that changing. I'm so happy to meet children, teenagers who have traditional indigenous names. It just makes me really happy. And it's very important to say those names right. Because um, it was just as hard for my ancestors to say names in another language that were forced upon them. I always ask my guests to say their own names for me so that I can make sure to say it correctly. Um, and I recommend everybody else do that. Get comfortable being uncomfortable with names that you aren't familiar with because um, it's a new trend and it's not going to change. I want to thank both of you so much for being here. Um, do you have any last words that you want to say or any last plugs that you want to do um, before you guys take off? Yes, yeah, so we are actually hosting a women's conference, so check out for that. It's going to be November 18th, 19th, and 20th, uh, Boys of Braids. Just follow us on social media, look at our handles, our websites, and all of that. We got some amazing events up and coming, so follow us and, and get a hold of us if you need to. We're always online. Great. Yeah, we thank you so much for being such good ancestors and local treasures. Thank you for giving me um, your time this morning. And I hope you guys all have a wonderful October and I will see you soon. Thank you very much. Um, I am about to 
uh, leave myself, but I wanted to leave you with a song that I really enjoy. Part of my being um, as being an artist and a cultural educator is uplifting other indigenous people um, in everything that they do. And I um, have a song that I want to share, and it's it's a very kind of mournful song, and I'm feeling a bit mournful. I've lost a lot of people in the last two months. Sorry. Um, and the song I want to share with you, it's actually called um, Time Lapse Clouds, and it's by the artist Ruben in the Dark. And the reason that I'm sharing it is because it has the bullhorn singers who are members of the Kainai Blood Tribe from Southern Alberta. And it is absolutely beautiful. Their chant, I mean, the rest of the music's fine, but the chant is just outstanding. And I wanted to share that with all of you on my way out the door. So I hope you all enjoy that. I hope everyone has a great October, which is my favorite month, um, because it's my birthday this month. So um, thank you so much again for listening to Good Ancestors and Local Treasures with Corrine Pierce. It has been my pleasure to be joined by Mike Duncan and Letitia Aguilar this morning. I hope everyone has a great October. And here is a song for you. Here we go. Have a good autumn, everybody. This has been a production of Mendocino County Public Broadcasting. KZYX, Philo 90.7 FM, KZYZ, Willits and Ukiah 91.5 FM, and Fort Bragg at 88.1 FM. You can find more content like this on our website at kzyx.org, and consider donating by clicking the red donate button in the upper right corner. Thank you for listening. Thank you.